Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. The Art of Spiritual Warfare, 21 Keys to Prevail in Every Battle of Life, Part 6. And what a pleasant surprise we have is in, in the crowd is uh, we have a little bit of an audience. They're having a, a forum for creatives which was the new name for special needs young adults. No, it's for, for, people, uh, for people that create things. So we've got producers, photographers. Uh, you can go ahead and clap your hands so the folks at home know I'm, I'm not nuts. Glad you're here. Very, very glad you're here. And um, this will be the, the finale of our broadcasting uh, here in the, in the sanctuary at Revival Today Church. The new studio is almost ready, so we might have a week or two or three left here, but we're winding down here. Going to say goodbye to the fake stained glass and ha- have, an, have an actual studio. Um, Lyric, who you all know from the comments, messaged me on uh, FarmersOnly.com, no, on Instagram last night, and um, told me that we're on number 26. So I think I can, I can finish this today. This is The Art of Spiritual Warfare, 21 Keys to Prevail, in every battle of life, part six. First Kings chapter 19, verse one. <clears throat> when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now, a little sippy. Elijah just called fire down from heaven. He just set his nation free from demonic bondage. What was his reward? Directly after, one of the heads of his government said, may the God strike me dead if by this time tomorrow I haven't killed Elijah. And word got back to him. They don't teach you this in the ministry. And I know there's a lot of ministers watching. And they don't teach you this in Christianity. I didn't know this when I, when I started out. Yeah, I didn't know this for a long time after I started out. I thought everybody that got themselves into trouble, where the government was after them or um, their ministry was being shown in a negative light on the, on the 5 o'clock news, 6 o'clock news, whatever, that they messed up. You know, obviously, if you have a good heart and good intentions, then... Uh, People, people are going to love you. I must have missed the part in the Bible about Jesus. I've done many good works. For which one are you picking up stones to kill me with? For no good work, but for you being a mere man claiming to be the son of God. So one thing you need to know in life, in the ministry, Elijah did nothing wrong. He did something right. Jesus did nothing wrong. If he did, we're all going to hell. If he sinned, he never sinned. The art of spiritual warfare, and I think this is going to end up being 32 keys to prevail in every battle of life. Uh, we'll see what it ends up at. Life as battles. And then if look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid. 1 Kings 19.3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. I'll read the rest. And he left his servant there in the town of Judah. 
in Beersheba. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. A suicidal prayer. Heavenly Father, please kill me in Jesus' name. Amen. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life from no better than my ancestors who have already died. The Art of Spiritual Warfare, 21 Keys to Prevail in Every Battle of Life. I've dealt with this several times. I've dealt with it recently. We had a church nearby that hardly has any people in it, and they got upset how many people we had come to our Easter service, took photographs of the service, and how many people were here and turned me into the city and demanded our church be shut down. I've dealt with that for about six weeks, and I got a favorable outcome. And I was teaching you this in the midst of it because it was on my heart. That's not my first rodeo. When you do what God wants you to do, the devil doesn't just say, you know what, look at the good heart this kid has. Look at him winning souls. You know what? You know what, demons? Let's just leave him alone. No. What do you see with Elijah? What do you see with the apostle Paul? Paul's thorn in the flesh. In fact, that would probably be good to read. I think off the top of my head is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Glad you're with me today. Lyric, the aforementioned lyric. Oh, we're going to 23. Okay, so this will be 23. Hannah, Timothy. Timothy was great seeing you in Houston. Rick. I'm not going uh, to try that name, but nice to have you. Gina, Jess, Maddie on the app. Glad you're on. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, man, I'm, oh, I see. My Bible page is folded down. I was going to say, I go straight from 2 Corinthians 9 to Galatians. Yep, 2 Corinthians 12, 1. Paul said, I will tell you the visions and revelations I've had from the Lord. I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding they can't be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I'll boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. What was his thorn in the flesh? That's a question that they like debate in Bible college. What was... Paul's thorn in the flesh. Well, if you'd read the rest of the sentence, genius, he would tell you. A messenger from Satan, not cancer. You know, I had cancer. That God gave me that thorn in the flesh to keep me from becoming proud. No, you're allowing the devil to twist scripture to get you to accept sickness and disease. I was given a thorn in my flesh. What was it? A messenger, a person sent from Satan 
to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now he's going to tell you what the thorn is, 10. So that's why I take pleasure in that weakness, in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, I was strong. Paul's thorn in the flesh was government opposition, satanic opposition to his advancement. Acts 16, a little servant girl who was demon-possessed kept coming behind him and yelling. And he told her to, the demon inside of her to shut up and come out of her, and her two masters had him arrested and thrown in prison. Paul was bouncing in and out of jail more than Suge Knight. That's what his thorn was. What did Paul do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. What did Elijah do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. What did Jesus do wrong? He did nothing wrong. So what happens is because you get trained at your Bible school that like you're going to go out and win the world and people are going to be so blessed. And a lot of people are blessed. And a lot of people were blessed by Jesus' Jesus's ministry. But there are people under the control of the devil that when they see you start setting people free, and building the kingdom of God, they get a fire in them from hell to shut your business down, to shut your church down, to shut your evangelistic ministry down. Remember when Creflo Dollar wrote a letter to his ministry partners that he, the engine had, had cooked on his other jet? He almost died, and it was time to buy a new jet? Well, it was on the news. What does he need that jet for? There's only a hundred of them sold. Well, why aren't you doing a special on the other 99 people? What do they need it for? Why is it just the one preacher? It's demonic. So what happens is if you're not careful, because you thought when you went into the ministry or became a Christian, as long as you did what was right, everything was going to go smooth, and then something doesn't go smooth, you'll do what Elijah did, and it, it's a problem. If you retreat from conflict... A paragraph later, Elijah is contemplating suicide. When you're faced with a battle, you have to stand up and fight. That's the only way forward. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The Bible says, uh, I believe Paul wrote it to the church in Corinth, quit ye like men and fight in the King James. Let me find the reference. It's like another scripture that if you go to church for 18 years in Sunday school, they'll never give you as a memory verse. Quit ye like men. First Corinthians 16, 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men and be strong, or quit ye like men and fight. That's the way forward. You stand against. By this time tomorrow, may the gods kill me if you're not dead. Jezebel wasn't threatening him with a lawsuit. Je Jezebel was threatening to kill him. You know, whatever you're going to go through in the West is going to be far less than what our brothers and sisters in Pakistan that are Christians have to go through. So, so fight. And I mean, even if you're in Pakistan, fight. But, but, you know, how many people in COVID, how many churches shut down because they were afraid of the disease? Very few. How many shut down because they were starting to get a barrage 
of Facebook comments and negative Facebook reviews and, oh my goodness, you know, this is going to hurt our name in the community. So they back down. You never let your course of action be dictated by your enemy. Even if I was thinking of doing something, if my enemy wants me to do it, I won't do it. Never let your course of action be dictated by your enemy. 21, I guess it's going to be like, well, we'll see how many. We'll just call it keys to prevail in every battle of life, part six, and we'll conclude it today. You need to know that life's a fight. That's what I'm going to in this introduction. It's a sign you're on the right path. And we've already dealt with it. The devil's a big talker and a poor fighter. By this time tomorrow, may the gods kill me if, if you're not dead. Did she kill him? No. Did she die? Yes. The devil doesn't have the capacity to take you out. He can only threaten you and discourage you into quitting yourself. Number 26. I may have covered this uh, lyric. What was the last one that I did? Because I'm going to start either way on make your mistakes being aggressive. Even if I covered that, I want to cover it again. Make your mistakes being aggressive. Okay, so I already covered this. So this is 25. But I'm going to cover it a second then. Make your mistakes being aggressive. I made up my mind during COVID. If I'm going to make a mistake, it's going to be getting arrested for preaching and defying the mandate. It's not going to be the mistake of allowing my ministry that I've worked and built for 19 years to get choked out because it's safe at the moment. You know, if I shut down, all the phone calls go away. All the death threats go away. No local news people try to corner me by a dumpster and ask me why I'm putting the whole city's life at risk. That can all go away if I just do what my enemy says. Make your mistakes. If you're going to make a mistake, make it being too aggressive. And you'll find out you have a hard time making a mistake that way. I've got some other things that we're finishing up right now that we've had to go through in a, in a fight a genuine fight, when it gets all done, I'll tell the testimony. But I made the same decision. If we make a mistake, it's going to be a mistake being too aggressive and defying something that's wrong, not cowtailing it because, it, to it because it's wisdom. You know, it'd be wisdom. You have to remember that. You know, it's like when I went to Asbury Park to preach and, and there were all those death threats against me. Conventional backslidden Christian wisdom is, well, you have to remember, you're ministering in this town. What good is it going to do if they don't want you here and you make a big stink about it? It did a lot of good. Let's people know that you care about their souls. Go forward. They used to tell uh, us when we were little kids in Sunday school that if you go through the armor of God, helmet, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, everything else, all the armor is on the front and there's no armor on the back because there's no protection in God for retreating. I remember being taught that when I was like eight, 
9, 10. All the armor of God only protects you if you're going forward. As soon as you turn your back, you have no protection. Interesting, isn't it? Twenty-five, make your mistakes being aggressive. You saw when they went to shut down our crusade in Newark, New Jersey. I got up on stage and let it rip. And we did, they were trying to make me leave town. I got, a, I got Symphony Hall and kept it going. R.W. Schambach, when the Chicago police told him that the mayor had ordered that he can't continue his tent meeting, and they cut the power to the meeting, he went right up on stage anyway, and they arrested him. And then it made the papers. He was in jail for 24, less than 24 hours. He was back preaching the next night, and the crowd was like double, and he stayed there eight weeks preaching under the tent. What the devil means for battle turned to good. You know, if, if, if you can remember back two and a half years ago when Rodney Howard Brown got arrested, everybody in the ministry world said he was making a mistake. Sean Hannity, who's supposed to be conservative, called him a grandstanding pastor, Florida pastor. And he's, he just wants his name in the papers. But when all the dust settles, his church is tripled. And all the people that by wisdom shut down, if they even have a ministry left, they're down like to 20% of what they were. Think long term. Put up with some temporary pain for advancement. If what you're doing, I'm not, I'm not talking about being an idiot, but as, as you stay by the principles of the Bible and the things God's called you as a believer in business to do, Everybody's not going to approve. But let's say they do a feature on you on the news, trying to make you into the worst person in the community for whatever reason. Well, most people are going to believe the news. But there's going to be 1% or 2% of the people that like you taking a stand. And if those 1% or 2% of your people start coming to your church or coming to your business, that's a lot of people in the city. It's a lot of free advertising. Our church was just under 500 people on Sunday. Do you know how many of those people saw the CBS News feature on me? That I was against masking, Pennsylvania pastor blasts COVID restrictions. Well, at the time, I seemed like a lunatic. Six or eight months later, it's like, hey, that guy was right. And he's still doing exactly the same thing now he was doing in March 2020. It gives you credibility. It filled our church. There's people writing in the comments that that's how they found our ministry. Make your mistakes being aggressive. There's a lot of people that are cowards, so if you could go back two and a half years and do it over again, there's still a lot of people that would have shut down their church. But knowing what we know now, Businesses and churches, there's a lot of people that closed down that would stay open. They realized it was unconstitutional. There's a restaurant here in, um, in Pittsburgh that would refuse to shut down, refuse to make people wear masks. They just expanded. I eat there. 
If their food goes downhill, I'll still eat there just to support the stand they made. They're packed. Vera in Germany said it was the same with Pastor Ben Kroski. People wanted to shut the church down. There were a lot of journalists who wrote an article about them, and at the end, many came to church because of that. That's right, and he got a new building. He's up over double of where he was before the pandemic in Europe. Hannah said, that's how I found you guys. I started uh, going to the river because my church of 20 years shut down. Then I saw you preaching for Pastor Rodney. I can't tell you how many doors that opened for me. Major doors. New Mexico. That church stayed open. Pastor Dean Shropshire. He went to the conference that he normally goes to in the summer and they were mandating masks. So he just got in the car and kept driving to Pastor Rodney's. When he got there, I was preaching that night, so he was going to leave. He doesn't know me. He came to hear Pastor Rodney. Who's this young guy? And he thought, well, I'll listen one service. And he liked me. And now we're best buds. Make your mistakes being aggressive. And I'll tell you this. If you're going to make your mistakes being aggressive, then if you have a board of directors or people in your leadership, you need to have people that are of the same mindset. How could I have ever stayed open if I carried my ministry credentials with the Assemblies of God or the Church of God? They were threatening their ministers that they were going to pull their credentials if they kept their ministries open. How can two walk together unless they agree? Well, we wanted to stay open, but my board. Then you picked a stupid board, didn't you? If you're going to be aggressive, surround yourself with aggressive people. My ministry overseer went to jail, so he had no problem with me staying open. Make your mistakes being aggressive. 26. Don't lose your fighting spirit. Quit ye like men and fight. Don't lose your fighting spirit. What do I mean by that? There comes a point where if you're not careful, you become like King David. In the season when kings went to war, David stayed home. John, I don't know where you're from on the app. And I'm not saying this to make it so me and you aren't friends anymore. But you wrote, we have a church that met at home and it was at that time where the media encouraged neighbors to snitch on gatherings. Instead of having weekly services, we had three Bible studies, small services each week instead of having multiple cars out front of the house and not get snitched on. Wisdom. That's the exact opposite thing of what I'm talking about. You shut your church down, like they said, then when you shut it down, they were unhappy about home meetings, so you acquiesce to that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about standing against things that are wrong. Is it illegal to have over a certain amount of people in your home to gather to, for Bible study? No, it's not. Then tell the neighbors things I'm constrained from being able to say as a Christian. 
Have them call the police. And when the police come say, do you understand the concept of private property? Do you have a warrant? Am I breaking a law? Then please leave. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking, I don't, I don't know how anyone could hear this series and think that is in line with what I'm teaching. Twenty-six, don't lose your fighting spirit. In the season when kings went to war, David stayed home. So what did David decide? You know, I've been fighting since I was 17. From the day I killed that guy Goliath, I've had to fight the men behind him. Then King Saul turned on me. I had to fight his guys. I'm going to take this one. I'm going to sit this one out. And that's easy to do because the fights don't stop. In fact, you get bigger opponents. The fight stops when Jesus gives you a crown and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's why, and this is off topic, but that's why I'm not big on like 25-year celebrations and this is the one-year anniversary of our church. You don't take a victory lap in the second quarter of a football game. So when we go to heaven and have the marriage supper of the Lamb, that's your victory party. It's not time to celebrate. No, no, we, you know, we do things. We take the staff to Arizona. We have parties here. We had a ton of parties during COVID. People were working hard and doing a lot. No, that's good, John. I get you. I figured I, I misread something. But one of my points is don't let your enemy dictate your actions. So when people are upset at how many people you're having come over to church or to your house Bible study and then you listen to them, that's, my dad said this, and I'm not saying this to you, John. I, well, I am saying it to you, but I'm saying it for everybody. My dad told me something in the beginning of COVID. He said, once a runner, always a runner. Meaning, if you back down, you'll always back down. I heard prominent pastors in South Africa these last couple weeks talking about how the government is, is intruding and they're going to require vac vaccine passports to go to church in South Africa. And they're saying, we will not, we will not go along with this government intrusion. Mm, I think you will because you have done everything you were asked to do or told to do the last two and a half years. So it's hard to believe you're not going to listen when you have a mask over your face going, we will not listen to what the government tells us to do. No, you already did. Once you retreat, you keep retreating. I find it interesting that when, when uh, Elijah backed down here in 1 Kings 19, that's when God told him to go anoint Elisha in his room, in his stead. Okay, you're tired? No problem. I'll send the chariot for you. You've done a good job. Go anoint another guy because the fight's not over. So when you bow out of the fight, that's when you start heading towards eternity. The average person dies within how many years of when they retire? Seven. Man wasn't created for rest. Man was created for work. You have to rest, but you should always have something fresh that you're doing for the Lord. In business, as soon as you get like David, 
It's the season for kings to go to war and take new ground. Eh, I'm a, I think I'm done. I've had enough of this. Well, first of all, it made room for sin. He wouldn't have had time to be up on top of his roof looking at who was taking baths if he was out fighting. When you stay busy in your assignment, there's not time to sin. If I made a plan to backslide today, I would have to do it within 40 minutes or I'd start missing appointments and stuff. So it makes it very difficult. I'm going to go out drinking, but I have to be done in 30 minutes, I gotta be back in the car and meet with someone, and they're probably gonna be able to tell that I'm drunk, which is good. You know, you can't do it. Don't lose your fighting spirit, number 26. Don't become tired. Don't allow yourself to become tired. Man, I don't know how much longer I can do it. And I'll, I'll tell you, say it like this. I'm going to do this until it's done. See, when your flesh starts sending you signals like that, speak the opposite out of your mouth. Oh, you think I'm tired? I'm just getting warmed up. Start talking like that. Your body will actually come in line with your speaking. Don't ever let I'm tired come out of your mouth. I'm tired. Say, thank you, Jesus, for unlimited strength. Nope, 26, Gina. Don't become tired. Don't lose your fighting spirit. I've about wrapped up this conflict that our church went through. It's about done. We navigated through it. And whoever, whoever, uh, whoever wants to step up next and take the belt from me, I'm ready for you. You never, see, that's why, and many of us know of good churches that we came up in, they were on fire, and then when they built their big building, it's not an on fire church anymore. There's no presence of God there because the guy's tired. He doesn't want to fight anymore. Look how many, you know, I heard people say, Australia, United States. How come none of the big churches fought against COVID? All these big ministries, none of them like stood against the demonic shutdown of the church. Why? I can tell you why. They're tired of fighting. They did all their fighting. They had to fight major battles to have a ministry that big. Look how, how many times Joel Osteen gets attacked. All he does is smile at people. And say nice things. The guy's never preached a mean message in his life. And there's people that hate his guts. More than me. And I say mean things all the time. I hardly ever smile. Subconsciously, if you're not careful, you'll make a decision when you're 40, 45, 50, 55, 60 in the season when kings go to war. I'm happy where I'm at. Have you stopped fighting? Are you still expanding? 
No, that's not true, James. People always say that because they're under the 501c3. I'm a 501c3. Did it stop me from doing anything? You know, Pastor Rodney has a 501c3. A 501c3 doesn't limit one thing you can do as a minister. I hear conservative people say that all the time, like you have to sell out to get a nonprofit. The IRS actually has no jurisdiction over ministries. So it has nothing to do with the 501c3. Otherwise, how did Pastor Rodney get arrested and maintain it? Five hundred one C three is just paperwork you file because giving to ministries is not taxable income. If you took the PPP loan, it didn't cause you. Uh, somebody wrote, "What about the PPP loan?" If you took that, it didn't cause you any problems up front, but it it made down the road. But I didn't take that either. Don't lose your fighting spirit. In the season when kings go to war, go to war. When's the last time your business has hired a new employee? We started the year at 14. I was hoping to stay at 14, to be honest. We're at 32 now. Just hired one more on Sunday off the cuff. All paid full-time wages. Nobody's here by faith or volunteering. Expand. Increase. Multiply. Write those three things down. Expand, increase, multiply. So no, see here, this is why you have to monitor whether you've quit fighting or not that way. Because no one ever says like, you know what, I've given up in life. Oh, I quit three years ago. I don't really try anymore. No one says that. So you have to, you have to gauge it by the fruit you're producing. When's the last time you, bought, you acquired a new property? When's the last time you hired a new employee? What's the last move, big move you've made? If you have to go back to 1994, your ministry's dying. Well, we had a major move, God. You should have seen it. This place was packed. Why isn't it packed now? Why are you still in the same building? I mean, in the last two and a half years, Pastor Rodney's put that pavilion up and balcony. Again, who you hang around determines where you go in life. I'm hanging around somebody that's throwing up buildings like they're tree houses. And it, that, that grace is rubbing off on this ministry. Keep fighting. Keep going forward. Don't quit. Maribeth wrote something good. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. But even people that haven't retired are essentially retired. They quit taking ground. Just get a message together for Sunday. Deliver the message. Have the people out in a timely fashion. And go chill till next week. You, you've, you've quit without knowing it. That's one reason that I take a long vacation, not as long as I'd like this year. I'm going to do a, I did 17 days last year. I'm doing uh, 10 this year. But I take a strong vacation to get it out of the, like, th that's my vacation. Then it's back to work. 
I find a lot of people that say, well, I've never taken a vacation. Yeah, so your life has become like an amalgamated vacation work. So I get, I rest hard and, and then go hit it hard. And that's what Jesus did, withdrew to the wilderness and then back teaching, preaching, laying hands on people. So I'm not saying you can't ever rest. And if you don't go have a rest, that's when you end up, in fact, it's interesting, the scripture that I started with, God's solution for Elijah feeling so discouraged was to go to sleep. And he cooked him food, had an angel make him pancakes. And then when he finished eating them, had the angel make him more pancakes. Sometimes you just need to, and well, I'll get to that. That's one of the later points. Don't lose your fighting spirit. Don't allow yourself to get tired and beaten up. We've been through a lot. Yeah, and I can tell by looking at your face. So get a different face and stand up straight and go forward. People shouldn't be able to tell you've been through a hard time looking at you. People, if you've been through a very traumatic event, you should look and carry yourself in such a way that if someone says to, to someone who knows you, did you know that she was in prison for nine years? Her? Like that. Not like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I was wondering why she, why she, why she looks so beaten up in the face. Did you know that he lost X, Y, and Z? No. How long ago? Like 20 years? No, it was like last year. Wow. You can't tell. He was just making me laugh. If people don't know you, they shouldn't be able to know that you, you've, you've been through anything. If Jesus... So Angel said, so we're supposed to be fake? Well... Is the joy of the Lord fake? I wonder how much people listen to anything I say. It almost makes you feel like just not teaching anymore. I'm not talking about faking it. I'm talking about reeling it, where you deal with it in the Holy Ghost and deal with it in the blood of Jesus and nobody can tell. I'm going to find you a story that will illustrate what I mean. How could anybody think I advocate for being fake? How could you be any less fake than me? Even if you hate my guts, no one could accuse me of being phony. Ever, to anyone. I had a lady come up to me <laughs> not long ago after a service. She said, uh, do you remember me? I said, no, I don't think I've ever seen you before. Oh, yeah. I went to one of your meetings a few years ago. And you told me to color my hair and start wearing different clothes. I said, I don't think I would tell somebody that. Are you sure it was me? And then it dawned on me and I remembered what happened. She was from a denomination where they don't let the ladies color or cut their hair. And she had on like a dress like she was from Little House on the Prairie. And she's a pastor's wife and their church wouldn't grow. They said, we're believing for our church to grow. I said, then color your hair and get different clothes. Because no one's going to come. You know, if you want to look like a, a, an old Pentecostal woman, fine. But there's, 
you're, you're going to have, the only people that are going to come to your church are old Pentecostal people. So dress like you were born in the last century. I'm not saying you got to get high fashion clothes, but you can't look like you just rolled out of a hay wagon. So I did. I mean, how could phony? If, I'm, if you're phony, do you tell somebody that? Then the amazing thing was that her and her husband, her husband said, thank you. <laughs> Me, phony. Let me find, um, let me find a scripture real quick. Second Samuel twelve sixteen. This is after David sinned. So his son dies. Second Samuel twelve nineteen. David was fasting and praying for this child not to die. When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied, he's dead. Then David got up from the ground. No, this is interesting. So he, was, he has sackcloth and ashes on fasting and praying and weeping and crying out to God while the child's sick. Then the child dies. David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace, was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you've stopped your mourning and are eating again. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he's dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he can't return to me. Once the crisis was over, David got dressed, put on cologne, and said, I'm, I'm done with this thing. And most people would do the opposite. Why should I fast when he's dead, he said. I can't bring him back. I'll go to heaven and see him one day, but I can't bring him back to me. Which is a scripture, if you've lost a, a child and you wonder where the child is, that's a good scripture. I can't bring him back to me, but I will go to him one day. So when you go through a tragedy... There has to be a, I'm done with that. I did what I could. I did the best I could. I'm not going to let it affect. I can't change what happened, but I can change allowing it to affect me going forward. Instead of dragging it with you in your countenance. It's very difficult to lose your husband, lose your wife, lose your mother. We had a guy at the church recently that tragically lost his child. He's about to kill himself. I'm not, I'm not making light of it telling you to be fake, but you got to deal with it like David did. Where, where was the first place he went after he, got, after he, he, he bathed and got changed? To the tabernacle. Get it under the blood. There's an anointing that binds up the brokenhearted. So get it. 
No, no, like, like that lady that wrote in the comments. Why do people think there's a choice between being fake, well, I'll just, I'll just be phony, or being a shell of yourself crushed by grief and guilt? You know, there's a third option, which is to get full of the joy of the Lord, full of the anointed, and go forward. And it's not fake. You have to get things from your past dealt with. And one way you can tell it's dealt with is someone can bring up the topic and it doesn't devastate you. I see you, Chris, Chrissy, on the app. Sorry that happened to you. One way you can tell you've got something dealt with is people can bring it up and it doesn't, you know, to use a, a secular psychology word, you don't have triggers. If a commercial comes on, have you lost a spouse and you've lost your spouse? If you just immediately start crying. Now, again, I'm not talking about... <laughs> Five days after the funeral. There is a time. The Bible says to mourn with those who mourn. I have people write me all the time. As our, as our, uh, as our ministry gr has been growing. I've been have you know, I have more and more people write me. My wife just got diagnosed with uh, cancer. No, let, let me, let me, uh, let me do one that's more pertinent to this illustration. My wife just passed away. I was at. Universal Studios with Camila and when I was in line a guy saw me from check the news and said my wife had stage four metastatic cancer and just died a couple weeks ago and he had his kids with him taking them out to do something nice I'm sure to not sit home and be brutally depressed you know what I did as a minister I put my arm around them I said I love you I'm very sorry that happened well well, you know, God will, uh, God will take what was meant for bad and turn it for good, amen? The, those little glib spiritual responses don't... The Bible says for a, there is a time to mourn with those who mourn. People don't need some trite statement from you. Just hug them. When people write me something horrific that happened and they, somebody in their family died... Jonathan, if you could pray for me. My son was just killed in an automobile accident. I'll just put a heart, the emoji heart, the emoji praying hands, and write, I love you. There's a, there's a good saying I heard. It's not in the Bible, but it's a good saying. Grief is love with no place to go. So you have all this love in your heart for somebody, and now there's nowhere to, to put it anymore. Very difficult. T.L. Osborne wrote a book on it. In fact, maybe I'll give that, that book away today since this message took a turn in that direction. But then there comes a time, like David did, 
or you have to put that thing to bed. And I'll close with this. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So once, and this doesn't have to happen. I've taught at length on divine protection. You don't have to lose. I'm talking to people who have lost somebody. I'm not saying, we're, you know, you're not hearing me. We're, now we're all going to lose people. Well, yeah, in, in old age, I'll have no problem burying my father when he's 90. My mother, not, not, not before that. But I'm talking about people who have lost somebody, like King David did. There comes a point where you have, you have to put it to bed. Where it, it, you have a hold on it. It doesn't have a hold on you. Not that you forget it, won't talk, because that's weird too. You know, you can get weird two different ways when it comes to a tragedy. You can get weird where you're obsessed with it. You lose your husband, you're still wearing a black dress to church every Sunday. And the, I had a lady that did that in one of the first churches I worked at. Her husband passed away. She wore a black dress every Sunday, black, heavy black eye makeup, went up for prayer during the sad organ music to get prayer every Sunday. I'm talking like for six years later. You can get weird that way, but you can get weird the other way too. Oh, praise the Lord, they're in heaven. It's okay, it's, it, you know, we, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. You know, that, that's weird. It's like, hey, she's uh, in the coffin. There, it's at the viewing. So, there's nothing wrong with mourning for a period, a defined period. And then you need to get it dealt with, that you don't carry it forward. Because the thief that comes to steal and kill, if you're not careful, that, that death will then begin to destroy other things. You know, somebody has somebody die. They haven't been to work in five months. They're three mortgage payments behind. What's that? Destroying. So you make up your mind like David did. I might not be able to change that thing. But I can make sure I don't drag it forward with me into my future. And nobody is a better example than Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. What do you do when your 18-year-old daughter passes away on Christmas morning? There's no doubt in my mind that if the devil had his way, that would have been the thing that Pastor Rodney used to have a powerful ministry, you know, and then his daughter passed away. It was tra tragic. He preaches some, but uh, Satan had... What, what are the statistics on how many marriages survive the death of a child? It's like next to none. It's like 80-some percent end in divorce, I think. Destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. Destroy your marriage. Destroy your children who are still alive, that they're upset. What you do after there's a death, if there is one, is you make sure that the third part you may not have been able to stop the second part of Satan's plan. Make sure you stop the third part. 
so-and-so might have died. My 14-year-old's not going to start cutting themselves now. I'm not going to allow. And, you know, death's not of God. Death, period, is not of God. Even if you live 120 years, God never created people to die. You can thank Satan for that. Satan brought death through sin. I'm not going to allow it to affect my income. I'm not going to take three months off work. You know, you got to be careful because there is a feeling in you when you lose somebody close to you. I'm just going to cancel a few things and take like a week. Let me tell you, on day eight, you're not going to feel any more like doing anything than you are now. So I would advise that as much as possible, you stay in the flow of what you're doing and then maybe take a break down the line. I'm reading the comments about how many people, my husband died six months ago. My mom passed around 16. My mother's dad died when she was 15. You're welcome, Jenny. A man came to our church recently. His son died rescuing somebody off train tracks. There was a lady on train tracks. He shoved her off the tracks and saved her life, and the train hit him instead, and he died. There's no glib thing you can say that makes anybody feel better about that. Only the Holy Ghost can bind up a broken heart. But the Holy Ghost... Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. I have to sell my house to move to Pittsburgh. I, I, I hope it's God, and some, some will buy it. Oh, oh. Well, that's, uh, that's great, Jolie. I'm sure it's God. You're likely miserable where you're at now. That's why you're contemplating selling your house. We're having a second wave of people move into the church from all over the place, which I told Adalis. I said, there'll be a wave of people that come in the beginning that just take my word for it that I'm starting a church, and then there'll be other people that'll watch the live stream, and every week they watch the live stream, they'll know more and more, I need to be there. And that's happening now. Let me check something, and then I'll pray with you. Verse 26, 2 Samuel 12, 26. So this is right after David does that. Meanwhile, Joab was fighting against Rabbah, the capital of Ammon, and he captured the royal fortifications. Joab sent messengers to tell David, I fought against Rabbah and captured its water supply. Now bring the rest of the army and capture the city. Otherwise, I will capture it and get credit for the victory. So David gathered the rest of the army and went to Rabbah, and he fought against it and captured it. David removed the crown from the king's head, and it was placed on his own head. The crown was made of gold and set with gems, and it weighed 75 pounds. What a comfortable hat. 75-pound crown. 
Holy moly. I've been, my neck has been really bothering me. Uh, King, I'm not trying to speak out of line, but it might be that crown. I don't know that your neck was meant to support that kind of weight. So one paragraph after David goes through that hard time, he captures Rabbah and takes the king's crown. What do you do after a setback? Go forward. Instead of letting the devil destroy something of yours, destroy something of the devil's. Don't let the devil destroy something of yours, your peace, your sanity, your business. Go destroy something of his. When you win souls, you're destroying something the devil had. You're taking something out of his kingdom. You're destroying his chains. You're destroying his prison. For this reason was the Son of God made manifest, that he might destroy the work of the devil. The goal of Christianity is not to sit back and try to not be destroyed. Go destroy. People who rob people don't get robbed while they're robbing. You go rob a bank, another guy doesn't come in and rob you. You're robbing. You're in the act of robbing. And at that time, you're not getting anything stolen from you. So to take that example positively, when you're on the attack, you don't get attacked. You're, you're too busy attacking. Attackers don't get attacked. Sitters get attacked. I've just been battling a lot of thoughts. I'm sitting in my living room. Step one, stop sitting in your living room. Go do something that focuses your mind on an objective. That's what David did right after he had to bury his son. One paragraph later, he goes out and captures a city. The devil destroyed something in your life through sickness and disease. Go destroy his realm of sickness and disease by healing the sick. Do what David did. Make up your mind you can't change what happened. But you can change the future. You may have stolen. You may have killed. But you will not destroy. Father... Thank you for this time that you've given me with my friends from all over the world. I love them. I know you love them. For all the people that have written in the comments today, Father, about the harsh things they've had to go through in this world. First, we thank you that there is a world to come where there will be no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. Secondly, we thank you that you said pray that your will that's done in heaven that has no sorrow, no crying or pain. Be done on earth. Do what only you can do right now, Father. Let your healing, anointing balm go over the hearts and minds and lives of everybody who's watching right now. In Jesus' name. And anything the enemy's done to immobilize them through grief, and a broken heart, I thank you for empowering them right now to go and take ground. 
In Jesus' name. Just lift your hands and thank the Lord that he's helping you today. Thank him out of your mouth. Now, if you're going to experience peace, the only real peace comes from knowing Jesus Christ. It's what saved David. He knew I can, through my covenant with God, I will go see my loved one again. Otherwise, there's no, the Bible says we don't mourn like those who have no hope. Well, to mourn like those that have no hope or to not mourn like those who have no hope, you have to be a we, somebody that's in covenant with God. That's what, when Christ comes into your heart, he heals your heart. If you've never received Jesus Christ or maybe in tragedy, you allowed that tragedy to put distance between you and your relationship with God, which is the number one thing Satan would want more than your business shutting down or anything else. He'd want to use that where you're now distant. You and God have distance. Be like the prodigal son and come back to him today and you'll find him waiting with open arms. Pray this prayer with me out loud right now. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Please let me know that you prayed. In the comments, let me know. Write, I did. I'd like to know who I prayed with just because I'm curious. But then for something more important, go to my website right now. Please do this. Go to revivaltoday.com, like it says at the bottom of the screen. Click, I just got saved. And when you click that, and fill it out. I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials to help you live the Christian life. Welcome to the family of God. Glad that you prayed. Um, even if you're watching the replay or podcast, do that. Revivaltoday.com and click I just got saved. Now, I'm going to have the graphics team get this as soon as you can. I meant to say it and got sidetracked. Teal Osborne's book, it's something about dealing with tragedy. I'm going to send that to everybody who sows a seed of any size today. I'm going to give you a, a few targets. Number one, we have our, our outdoor crusade coming up in Sturgis, South Dakota, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the soccer stadium. So, if you... Uh, who's that, Chuck? Good to see you, man. I didn't know you were here. If I'm believing for four people that'll sow a $100,000 seed, personally or from your business. You're welcome, John. So I'm throwing that challenge out there. Yes, that, thanks, Alex. The book's called Why. So when you get the graphic, you, you can put it up when you have a chance. Um, I'll, I'm going to send this book to everyone who gives, but I'm believing that God will speak to four people to sow a $100,000 seed. Not everyone can do that yet so we're opening our new studio i'm going to also believe for 10 people wow good job guys up there i'm going to believe for 10 that'll sow a ten thousand dollar seat or more so if you can't do the hundred but you'd like to do 10 or more like we had a family in florida which if you're watching thank you they sent seventy five thousand in last week so not quite a hundred but 
makes a big difference. But everybody that gives a seat of any size, I'm going to send you this book today, just for today. Teal Osborne, Tragedy, Trauma, Triumph. Why? That's a picture of him, I believe, at Daisy's funeral. His wife was his partner. She set up all his crusades for him. She'd stay in Africa sometimes six months while he preached in America, and then he'd go meet up with her and do the big crusade. But she did all the work to get the crowd there, and then she passed at like 70, I think. And he lived till close to 90. And they were, I think they got married, I think he was like 17 and she was 15, something like that. You know, like old school Oklahoma wedding. And then you lose your spouse. So he doesn't write about it from a calloused standpoint. And that book will help a lot of people. And I'm going to send it to you today for, as a thank you for sowing seed. I, and I thank you for watching. A lot of people on today. Glad that you're on. Uh, here's the ways you can give. Up top is the easiest way. Go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now. You can do hashtag donate if you're watching on Facebook. Text RT to 50155. Cash app is an easy way to give. Dollar sign RT give. Venmo at RT give. Thanks for putting the links up, uh, Lyric and Ninja. Thank you, Missy, for your seed. Thank you for your seed. If you want to give cryptocurrency, you can scan that QR code. And then, if you want to mail a check, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. If you want to speak with a human being, 412-446-2332, or plus one, 412-446-2332. Don't forget to claim your offer. Once you're done, you got to do this. Go to RevivalToday.com and click Claim My Offer because that makes sure we have your name and address to send you the book. You're welcome, John. Lubbock, Texas. What a great place. Lubbock, is that... Oh, that's where we go when we're in um, Hobbs, New Mexico. They have a uh, Shipley's Donut, and they have a Dutch Brothers, and they have a good barbecue place in Lubbock that I could send you if you need it. Thanks for watching, John. Love you all. Thanks for everybody writing such nice words. Thank you, everybody, for giving. I see the seeds rolling in, and I say thank you. Don't take you for granted. We're doing a lot together. Um, got prayer at noon. I have check the news tonight. St. Louis this week, this coming week, Sunday night through Wednesday night. And then end of the month in Nebraska, right? Yep, June 24th and 25th, Lincoln, Nebraska. And as far as traveling goes, that's it for June? No, Kentucky. Yep, I knew I was leaving something out. Sunday through Tuesday, 7 p.m. So we got this month. Obviously, I'm in Pittsburgh, but we have uh, St. Louis, Lincoln, Nebraska, Louisville, Kentucky. I would love to see you. Thanks, Natalie. I love you, Rick, on the app. My dad uh, tried your smoked brisket and loved it. That was a super nice gift. All right. I'm sure I'm leaving things out, but I'm done. I will see you at noon.
Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.